Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music insight and opinion. Today's date is January 31st, 2022. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today again with Eric. Hello, hello. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. It's it's funny. Um, we haven't put out an episode in probably three weeks, so I don't know if anyone listening is counting the days, but I've been sitting there marking on, uh, like on my wall, like how, like a prisoner would like doing the check marks. I, it's just like one of those things like schedules don't line up. And like, I hope everyone that's listening is, you know, uh, uh, understanding, but it's good to be back. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. So in the last, I don't know, six months since it's been since you've been on the show, have you encountered anything new or interesting? <laughs> Got COVID. That uh, was <laughs> It was bound to happen to somebody at part of the show. Yeah. At one point or another. It sucks it had to be you. I agree. <laughs> but um anything music entertainment wise, no? Out of the past six months? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. For frame of reference, the last time you were on the show, your new and interesting was the Mouse Rat album on Spotify. Been a while. Yes. Uh, <laughs> new and interesting, at least for this week, uh, Elvis Costello and the Con- Attractions put out The Boy Named If. Okay. 32nd album. That's just insane to me. Like, 32 albums. That's almost like um, like Stevie Wonder. I think he put out like 12 before he was like 18 or something. Like something crazy. Yeah, it's like crazy. It was a ridiculous number. That's insane. I mean, I haven't, I've never dove into Elvis Costello at all. What, how does it compare to like his older stuff or it's, even before? It's, uh, it's pretty much the same thing. It's kind of a little, uh, Disappointing because since he's getting older, his voice is kind of a little bit more raspier. Are we talking like Bob Dylan? Like no, no, <laughs> no, no. He still sounds good, but uh, his earlier albums, his vocals kind of like were more per- like forefront, yeah, in, in the mix, and now they're kind of scaled back. And I think it would, even though his voice isn't as great as it used to be. Yeah. I still think it would be 10 times better if they just elevated him out of the mix. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those like old studio tricks. I mean, for those that are didn't listen to the episode that Eric was on, you wouldn't know that me and Eric used to be in a band. And uh before I became the forefront of a podcast, I was the front man of a band. And an old studio trick that we had learned is that if you're not a good singer, we can always dial you back in the mix and hide you. Very true. That's why I don't sing anymore. And I just talk. <laughs> um, As far as me for new and interesting, I don't know if you have seen it, but they released the trailer for the Foo Fighters movie, Studio 666. I don't know how I feel about it. I think, I think it could be a, like a cool movie. If the whole Dave Grohl aspect wasn't a part of it, it's just like, so yeah. it's like, so now you want to get into film like, well, he already was in film, but it's like, now you actually want to do a movie and it would be a different story if it wasn't all the members of Foo Fighters in the movie. Yeah. Like, 
And like the trailer had like fucking Carrie King in it and shit. And it was just like, I don't know. I don't get me wrong. I'm going to watch it. I'm, yeah, me too. I'm going to see it. 100%. In, yeah. One way, shape, some way, shape or form. I'm going to see it. But, um, yeah, I was just like, like I seen like the like teaser posters and shit for it. I was like, there's no way this is real. There's no way. And I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, <laughs> like this is going to happen. <laughs> gonna be like through the never but in a haunted house yeah and it's just them remember that remember remember when we were so excited to see that fucking movie and then it was just a complete pile of shit yeah metallica lost tens of millions of dollars on that i think they i think they lost like 60 million on that movie it was worth it because it was completely funded by them <laughs> i wonder if they could write that off in their taxes they could probably uh Put it down as an insurance claim. <laughs> <laughs> um, on top of that, I found out that Mashuga is releasing an album in April of this year called Immutable. And immutable. Yeah, immutable. I had it right. Um can't turn it off. <laughs> it's um It's everything you have come to know and love from Mashuga, but it has a uh Super modern, like genty type feel. I know, like a Meshuggah was like the like the forerunners of the whole like gent thing before it was gent, but now it's like it's fucked up. It's almost like they're like the old guys like trying to conform into this new genre, but they're actually the ones that made it. Like that rarely yeah. happens. But I don't know. I'll be excited to hear it. I I I love Meshuggah. I I think it's it's. Like the polyrhythms and shit within that band, and like the complexity of the songs, it's just it, it's one of those things. Though you either love them or you hate them, and mm-hmm. I just so happen to fall on the love type spectrum of Meshuga. Isn't that interesting when a band invents like a sound and they've sticked around long enough to where they come off as like posers? Yeah. <laughs> Like, look at these old guys doing it. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> play bleed again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's funny. Um, I guess let's move on to music history today in, well, on January 31st. I'm going to let you start this one off, Eric. All right. Music history. <laughs> Damn. Be a little prepared. This is at least this isn't your first time. My phone couldn't see my face. (laughs) (laughs) Studio lighting. All right. So 1963, Neil Young, 17 years old, plays his very first show performing at a country club in Winnipeg. I wonder what he played. I mean, and obviously he wasn't playing like rocking the free world, but I want, I wonder what it sounded like. That's like one of those things. I wish I could see. A show like that. I mean, I'm not a Neil Young fan by any stretch of the imagination, but it would be kind of cool to see a Neil Young play a first show. Yeah. Like, just I, see how horrible it probably was. Oh, yeah. It was terrible. At a country club. Like, like his uncle was probably a member. <laughs> he put in a good word. Yeah. <laughs> My nephew's going to play here. <laughs> he sucks, but come on. Going completely 180 about sucking, in 1970, the Jackson 5 debut their single, I Want You Back. It hits number one in America. It's the first of four consecutive chart toppers for the group, which is fronted by an 11-year-old Michael Jackson. Um, 
great song. Oh yeah, I, everything. I, actually, I don't want to say everything Michael Jackson's a part of, but <laughs> um, definitely up until the early '90s, anything that Michael Jackson was a part of was literally fucking gold. Yeah, like literally sure. worth its weight in platinum. Like you could get you know climb underneath him and steal a catalytic converter filled with <laughs> platinum. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't be beat. Like, no, absolutely not. Michael Jackson, even to this day, you can't, you can't, you can't like mention pop music or the eighties or any kind of nostalgic type factor without Michael Jackson some way being infused into it. Yeah, like it's just impossible. King of pop. Yeah, there's the reason for it. We also got 1993 with just 45 minutes to kick off. Garth Brooks threatens to cancel his national anthem performance at the Super Bowl. When the NFL reneges on its promise to debut the video for his controversial protest anthem, We Shall Be Free. I forget the political stance he was trying to make with the song. But I do remember the video and I don't, I forget. I really forget what the whole, the big deal was behind it. But yeah, could you imagine 45 minutes to one of the biggest sporting events of the year? Yeah. At Well, yeah, it's funny that it's in the beginning of the year, but the biggest sporting event of the year, 45 minutes of one of the most coveted things you could do at said sporting event. Nope. Fuck it. Yeah. Nope. Wild. Yeah, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is a fucking straight boss. He's the man. Like, how you have the king of pop, you have the king. Well, which is Elvis, but then you have Garth Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2008. Now, when we do these, like, uh, music history type things, we, like, usually try to like, get, like, funny things or, you know, be able to, like, joke around about certain things. But when I saw this... Like, obviously, we can make plenty of jokes about this, but I do find it to be kind of, like, uh, sad in a way. Um, 2008, uh, Britney Spears' family helps orchestrate an intervention that lands her in the psychiatric ward of UCLA's hospital. Uh, she's taken by ambulance when she gets a police escort and draws a frenzy of media attention. Uh, the next day, her father is named her conservator as a, as a court rules that Britney cannot care for herself. She is released a few days later and starts getting her life back together. Later in February, her saga is detailed in the Rolling Stone. Um, She appears on the cover with the headline, Britney Spears, Inside an American Tragedy. It's kind of funny, though, that, I mean, we're talking 14 years later. She's now not under the conservatorship anymore. But um, I don't know if you follow her on any social media platforms, but the kind of shit that she posts now, Uh like like half-naked shit on Instagram and... Like, I understand the whole free Britney movement and I understand the whole, you know, her needing a conservator and all that other shit. But like, I thought it was fucked up until she became free. And I started seeing her on social media. It's like, maybe, maybe we were wrong with the free the Britney thing. Uh, Well, I mean, you got to think something like that. Fuck somebody up. Like, that's true, too. Mentally, like, but she, it makes you wonder, though, at that point in time, like if she really was fucking like nuts and like the social media like thing and, you know, hashtag free Britney and, you know, all the media coverage on it or whether or not like helped fuel this thing to be able to hurt for her to be able to get out of this. I'm not I'm mm. uh, I want to 
rephrase this. I'm not a advocate for uh, her having a, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying that maybe in this particular case, they may have been right and the media may have done something completely wrong with it. I mean, well, like you were just saying, though, about, you know, it, uh, fucking somebody up. I mean, that's a possibility, too. But you like if, if you play devil's advocate with this kind of thing, it's like. Maybe in a way or maybe they were right or in like helping her from herself. But I mean, we're not there. We don't know. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It it, it, it does make you think of both ways, especially after just reading this now mm-hmm. or, you know, reading it before and then reading it now. It's like, I don't know. Like, it makes you wonder. Yeah. I also think to the level that the government gets involved with that, like, uh, for a free person, like, you know, it's totally understandable if, you know, you fall under, if you go to the jail, that's a different thing. Yeah. But, like, if you willingly, or if you willingly consent into something like this, like, yeah. it's kind of terrifying to like not have control yeah that's true i mean i I don't know it's just the whole thing is just crazy to me and you know who knows we may may, may, maybe we may lose a bunch of listeners on this show after this but (laughs) uh hey that's a chance i'm willing to take we're here to do uh we're here to do everyone a service and we have to be able to look at both sides of the story it just can't be all fun and games all the time no, but I mean, I, I am glad that she is, I'm glad that she's, you know, not under anybody's control anymore, but you know, after reading that and just thinking about the whole thing, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's a possibility, but maybe not. I know. I, I see what you're saying. I also yeah. think that Britney Spears should be allowed to ruin her life like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's her right bill i hey i'm all for it i'm all for it Brittany can do whatever she wants um but moving on here to our main topic for today something way 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 lighter um i want to talk about some of the greatest intros of all time now for those of you that are music illiterate first off i don't know why you're listening to the show second off an intro is a piece of music or something in the beginning of a song to bring you into the full thing. So for like for a reference here, almost like an appetizer. If you're sitting down for a five-course meal, you have an appetizer, which is like your intro to the meal, to, you know, the turkey and then all that other shit. So to start this one off, I want to say, uh, obviously, I'm wearing the Van Halen shirt, and this is a topic where there's a lot of Van Halen references here, or at least there's going to be. So I'm just going to nip this one in the bud right now. Um, Hoffer Teacher. Undeniable, like one of the coolest intros ever. I mean, it, 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 I can only imagine what it was like hearing that for the first time. Well, I do remember what it was like hearing that for the first time, but... Like getting that record and putting that on and hearing all that shit and then hearing that song, mm-hmm. like it just it had to be like one of the coolest experiences ever. Like someone is literally making a motorcycle sound with their drums. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. And that Hands just down. went to yeah, that just went to show you that even though you know Eddie Van Halen was like the the center front and center of that band 
It also showed you that he wasn't the only Van Halen brother with talent. Yeah, 100%. So what do you have? Uh, I got quite a few. Uh, I'm going to go a little off the beaten path here. Uh, my first one's Woman by Wolfmother. Oh, nice. That guitar riff, like, uh, I guess it's like the intro riff. Yeah. And then once everything drops, it's like, Dun, oh, ben, 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 ben. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a cool song. I remember my first time hearing that was on Guitar Hero, and, like, I instantly got into it. And then, you know, you start hearing other bands like uh, like Mastodon and stuff that, like, kind of, like, took that into a heavier realm. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, Mastodon was out before them. I think they were. I Actually, as a matter of fact, they were on the same Guitar Hero. They may, it may have been two or one. Mastodon was on two or three, and this one was on one. <clears throat> I forget, but that song is fucking cool. I, I saw them play it live in uh, the Underground Arts in Philadelphia. That's cool. That's a relatively small venue. Yeah. And they they pretty much play like a band would in like the 70s. Like no PA support except for the vocals. Like That's just cool. like everything's turned up. Just massive. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It, it was incredible to that- see them like that. It would be kind of cool to see a show like that. I mean, like you have like, I I know I'm always ragging on Greta Van Fleet and like Dirty Honey and shit. But like if those bands were to take that type of approach, their live show, as opposed to, you know, using the modern, you know, like uh, like the modern shit, like the PA support and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like those bands get a lot more credit, at least from me. Not that my opinion means anything, but. They would have a lot more, you know, like positive, like reinforcement behind them if they actually, like, instead of just playing the part, they were the part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I I think Greta Van Fleet might like in the coming years might like surprise everybody. I sure hope so because I really hate them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they definitely have that like tongue or. They take themselves seriously, but it's like, obviously, (laughs) like, come on now. But I feel like over the past couple of releases, like, I feel like they've, like, started to, like, take a, you know, step in their own direction. Yeah, that, I mean, more power to them. I mean, they're definitely way more successful than us. Yeah, (laughs) no, 100%. Speaking of success, uh, my next one here is... In my opinion, one of the best drum intros ever. You could probably guess this before I even say it. It's one of the best drum intros ever from one of the most underrated drummers in the grunge scene. No excuses from Alice in Chains. Uh, man, I was going to say smells <laughs> like teen spirit. Absolutely not. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, like, smells like teen spirit is cool, but no excuses just has that fucking that thing. Like... I remember hearing that for the first time and I was like, I was blown away and I immediately learned how to play it on drums. It was the only thing I knew how to play, but I I can play no excuses. We played it. Yeah. In the band. (laughs) Nah, it's just like, it's just such a cool fucking, like it's a cool pattern. It's a cool rhythm. It just like sets the tone for the entire song. And if you go into, you know, jar of flies, which the album came off of, like you have that entire album and then you hear no excuses and it's kind of, it it like takes you to a different place than the rest of that album did. Mm -hmm. And 
for it being such like a down album, like that was kind of like the, you know, like the little taste of upper you can get in that entire thing. Yeah. Even though the lyrics are like incredibly fucking like down. Yeah. But at least it's, <laughs> at least, yeah, at least the drums were good. Uh, <laughs> so my next one, I'm going to, my next, uh, all my best friends are metalheads less than Jake. Okay. It has, it has that speech in the beginning. Can't sound familiar. Oh, you got to check it out. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It like Yeah. Yeah. What's the speech? Uh it it I can't think of who uh who it's supposed to, it's uh this is a fair request. It's like somebody talking to uh a group of people. Okay. And it's uh saying that the people are uh He's an older guy talking to a younger audience and he's saying that some some people he, he goes into like re- racism and stuff and he's like uh not all teenagers are drunken dope addicts or glue sniffers and then oh. <laughs> it drops. Um speaking of speeches, my next intro actually I wanna get the I want to get the lyrics up for it real quick is um the opening track off of Lamb of God's um Ashes of the Wake album Omerta um for those of you that are um not aware of the song not aware of the song I am going to read you the beginning of a beginning of the song here it says um whoever appeals against to, uh, whoever appeals to the law against his fellow man is either a fool or a coward whoever not whoever cannot take care of himself without that law is both for a wounded man shall so say to his assailant if i live i will kill you if i die you are forgiven such is the rule of honor and then it's like it's just so sick it's so awesome. fucking cool and i'm not going to lie as I was in the middle of reading that, I thought I was Randy Bly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's just, it, it, first off, it's such a cool opening song. They were opening uh, their live set with that. Mm-hmm. And, like, the second you hear him start off with that, it's just like, you know, like, you know what's about to happen. Yeah. Like, shit's about to go fucking nuts. And... I'm not going to say it's the best intro of all time, but it's definitely on my top list and um, for good reason. Gets you all pumped up. Oh, dude, super pumped up. My next suggestion has a similar effect. Lose yourself, Eminem. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you had one shot, one opportunity. (laughs) And then that guitar riff. Oh, yeah. I wonder I wonder if that was ever sampled or if that was a sample of something or if that was just like 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 legit original cuz I know he um what was the one um it was off of Relapse was it Spacebound that was an REM song wasn't it mm, I'm not sure maybe I'm not sure I I read somewhere before that was someone else's song they ripped that off huh but it's funny that the lose yourself guitar intro or that guitar part is probably one of the most recognizable pieces of music like ever. 
Yeah. Like that like spans like every genre. Like it doesn't matter who you are. You could be you could be 90 years old. You hear that dun, 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 and you know what's you know what's about to happen. Yeah. Oh dude, Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> that song, you know the uh the meme where it's uh when Shania Twain says let's go girls, I can yeah. kick kick I could kick the a door off its hinges. Yeah. Lose yourselves like the guy equivalent to that. <laughs> <laughs> um I have uh I have one more here I want to say and this goes into another like super hype, like incredible hype. And if you know the song, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people of the sun. Oh yeah. Like dude, the second that fucking beat drops in that, like you, like it doesn't matter. Like you feel like being like a, a like a Kyle, like punching a hole in a wall. Yeah. Like it, it's just like <laughs> like the first time I heard that song, I get like I think Connor showed it. That Connor did show it to me. And I was like, this is fucking nasty. Like this is Hell like the coolest yeah. fucking rhythm like ever. People come up and I was just like, oh, no, he didn't. No, not Zach. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. But then People of the Sun is just a total banger. That song is 100% banger. Aren't they all bangers, though? Like, yeah, they, they really are. But People of the Sun, I think, is like the top like banger of Rage Against the Machine. I mean, eh, I don't know. It's definitely the top, though. No, your enemies also. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. At, the, there's there's a lot of really good Rage Against the Machine songs other than the radio hits that you hear. Actually, as a matter of fact, they, Bulls on Parade is like my least favorite Rage Against the Machine yeah. song. Like, Rage Against the Machine, like, the whole time that they were a band, like, they could not lose. Like No, absolutely not. Like, they weren't just singles. They were like, the whole album was fucking amazing. And I also feel like if they were to release a new album now, it would do extremely well. I really think that they're going to. Really? Yeah. That'd be so fucking sick. Because Zach De La Roca is starting to get back in the music. And uh, I want to say, I want to say Prophets of Rage, they said that if Zach wants to come back, like, it's over. That goes away. That's cool. They're like, we're just doing it. Like, that's awesome. To like hold and for them to say that, yeah, that that there's already talks of it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I wonder if they'll charge two hundred and fifty dollars to listen to that album. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Do you uh listen to Run the Jewels? No, I've been told I have to. There's uh there's the one song just that Zach De La Roca is on. Oh really? Yeah, it's uh, I'm gonna have to check that out after this. It's uh Pharrell and uh. Zach De La Roca. That's sick. Yeah, it's That'd sweet. be fucking cool. I'm going to have to hear that. Uh, so to kind of wrap this thing up, what's one of the last ones you got here? Uh, Next one I got is Romantic Rights. Okay. Death from Above, 1979. Okay. It's got a... It's a really cool intro. It's a... Uh, you would just have... You would have to listen to it, but it's like... Dun, 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 dun. Uh, okay. It's one of those like build up type ones. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I want to say it's, it could be guitar or bass. I'm not actually sure what's doing it. Yeah. But it's, uh, it plays off of, like, pretty much, like, feedback. Like, the, like, and, like, that's, oh, that's feedback. Cool. I'm going to have to hear that. Um, I guess I do have one honorable mention here. I feel like it's a, uh, it's a given, and I'm pretty sure you can agree with me. Um, the intro to Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. That, that riff is another one of those, like, undeniable, doesn't matter who you are, you know it. It's cool unless you're in Guitar Center. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're in any of the major music, uh, retailers, that song's super cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you think? Is there any intros that we didn't bring up that we should have? Um, is Van Halen quartering the market in, you know, the intros? Because there was a lot that I didn't bring up. Um, Hoffer Teacher was just scraping the surface. That that was like the, uh, I'm trying to think, that was like the cat in the hat for the Dr. Seuss, you know, uh, Dr. Seuss library. There's way more. I just didn't bring any of it up. Um... <clears throat> we could go on and on and on about intros. Like, oh yeah, there's all kinds of crazy ass intros. Like, I, yeah, I'm gonna stop right there because there is a lot. Um, what do you think? Get us. Find us on social media: Facebook.com/slash RATM Podcast, Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast. And if you really want to, you really want to write us, you know, a letter or email, whatever. Uh, RATM podcast at gmail.com. But until then, we're going to get into our suggestions for this week. Since you're the guest, I'll let you go first, Eric. What do you have? I thank you. My <laughs> <laughs> uh, suggestion for the week uh, Pump It Up, Elvis Costello. It's off his second album. Okay. Uh, this year's model, which is one of the greatest like pop albums to come out. Nice. At least in my opinion, it's really, really good. Like front to back, a great album, but pump it up is it pumps you up. (laughs) It delivers going off of our topic, but yet going 180 off of your best album here. I'm going to travel back here in 1982 for Van Halen's diver down. Probably one of the worst records they've done. They're all good, but this one was the worst. Um, The song that I want to choose is one that has super fucking cool intro, Little Guitars. Um, The beginning is played on an acoustic guitar, and if there was ever any kind of discrepancies or questions on Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing abilities when it came to acoustic instruments, this is the one. Agreed. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's another episode of Regis Mainstream Podcast for the books. Um, like I said before, you can find us on our social media accounts, facebook.com slash RETM podcast, Instagram and Twitter at RETM podcast. And of course, you can write us an email, write us a love note. If you want to be pen pals, we're cool. Someone will always respond to you. RETM podcast at gmail.com. But until then, this is another episode of Regis Mainstream Podcast for the books. As always, I'm Bill. And I'm Eric. Have a good night, guys. Thank you for listening. Peace.